Good afternoon, and welcome to iWolves, the owner-friendly and dog-friendly dog training show hosted by Dr. Ian Dunbar. iWolves is proudly sponsored by Premier Pet Products and The Kong Company. In this hour, Dr. Dunbar will help you understand dog training from the dog's point of view. Now here's your host, Dr. Dunbar. Hi, this is Dr. Dunbar's iWolves, the owner-friendly and dog-friendly dog training show to help you understand dog training from the dog's point of view and to learn what you can learn from your dog. So it's hello from me, Dr. Ian Dunbar, hello from Dune, hello from Claude, and hello from Ollie. I don't know, today I feel like singing happy birthday. Um, Serious puppy training is 25 years old. Uh, the very first off-leash puppy class was taught uh, January the 26th in 1982. So um, just 25 years ago, dog trainers only taught adult dogs, um, largely repetitive on-leash obedience drills. And uh, then came along puppy classes, which emphasized uh, the incredible importance of bite inhibition, early socialization, temperament training. Um, and, and simple solutions for common and predictable behavior problems, as well as teaching basic household manners. Also, puppy classes really championed user-friendly, dog-friendly dog training techniques, um, techniques which were really easy for family members, especially including children. They're, these were family classes. You know, the whole family would come to class instead of the old way when you just wanted one person per dog because the classes were going to go on for a long, long time and you didn't want one person to come to class one week and then forget and someone knew the next week. So it was one person with one dog. But in puppy classes, we wanted the whole family. I mean, that was the whole point of the class, that not only did every family member learn how to control the puppy, but also so that um, the, the various people there could help socialize the other puppies, that they could hand-feed the puppies and, you know, and um, teach them to come and to sit and so on, stuff like that. So we use very gentle, very easy, yet they were science-based methods. I mean, these are, this was based on, um, you know, learning theory, on psychology. How do animals learn? And we took this and, into, you know, applied psychology. We then taught people how to teach puppies. It would be pretty fair to say that puppy classes just revolutionized pet dog training. Um, In fact, in a sense, puppy classes created the field of pet dog training. It was uh, the first time that we we trained puppies. um, And these methods were so successful that then people began applying them to adult dogs. There are a lot of competitive (laughs) obedience trainers then who thought, wow, that's a much quicker way to train, that you lower the dog and then you reward it for getting it right, then maybe a little differential reinforcement to fine-tune, you know, the precision of the dog's performance. And so a lot of people were having success in the obedience ring with these methods. And then they began uh, to apply these techniques to solving behavior problems. Um, behavior problems in adult dogs, not just in puppies. And then eventually the techniques were used with aggression. And of course they were. They were lure-reward techniques. I mean, if you've got an aggressive dog, um, what are you going to do? <laughs> you know? I mean, you want this dog to be your friend and develop confidence, and you really want to say, it's okay, buddy, come on, let me give you a hug. But these are the things you can't do because these are the things the dogs are scared of, and the dog will probably nail you if you try approach him or try and hug him. And so here, using food especially as a lure to get the dog to approach it worked really well. And, of course, the food reward. The dogs learn very, very quickly. Well, here's at least one guy I can trust. He's pretty cool. He lures me over. He gives me treats. He's a neat guy. So how did it all start? A lot of people ask me this. You know, how did you come up with the idea of teaching puppy classes? Well, it was actually quite simple. I got a Malamute puppy. And uh, when his name was Omaha, when he was eight weeks old, I started calling around um, dog training schools to take him to, and they wouldn't take him. They said, you've got to wait till he's six months to a year old. And I thought, that is crazy. That is too stupid for words. That's not like not sending your children to school till the, you know, they're in their 20s. And um, also at the time, I was informed it's time I had to go out and earn some money. So I thought, I know, I'm going to teach puppy classes. 
Um, I was very lucky. I, I grew up on a farm in England, and this was how I learned to train dogs. From my father and my grandfather, they used lure reward training techniques um, and lots of food lures and lots of food rewards for training their hunting dogs. So I was so lucky that I grew up training dogs this way because lure reward training had been almost forgotten. Um, you can see it in old dog training books they published like, you know, 1850, 1870. But then from the 1900s onwards, it just disappears and is replaced by the old military and then obedient style on leash training. So that was how it all started. It was no great plan. I had no idea what enormous effect it was going to have. But uh, making the video, it just spread the word um, around the world. And puppy classes started up everywhere. They started up um, Oh, in England, Australia, and um, and it, and it literally changed the way that dogs are chained, that trained. So there are many aspects about puppy classes which were just so different from conventional obedience class. Um, first, I, I should say that I, I did not think up these methods. I mean, these methods are all so old they're new again. Um, that this was the way dogs used to be trained in the 19th century. Um, the first of these huge things, uh, huge differences was um, we're training puppies. Um, and, and I sort of re-emphasize this because we should never forget it. It's such an opportunity to train a puppy. He's young. He doesn't have problems yet. And we have the opportunity now to teach him good habits from the outset. I mean, you'll hear me say this over and over again in future episodes, it's so silly to deal with behavior problems. I mean, what have you been doing to sit around and wait for the dog to develop behavior problems, which were no great surprise? They are very common. They're utterly predictable. You knew what the dog was going to do in an adolescent dog. Um, much better is puppy training. Teach good habits from the outset. Um, the syllabus, as I said last week, is very complicated. We have to prepare the dog for living with people. I mean, that is enormous, um, especially if uh, men and children are involved. Men are usually just a little gruffer and have shorter fuses. And, and children, well, I mean, everything that children do um, excites or incites dogs to chase and maybe nip and bite. So we, that is the syllabus. Um, it's like your mission, should you accept, is to teach this puppy uh, to live with people. And it's a pretty tall order indeed. One huge aspect of puppy classes, they focused on teaching bite inhibition. This is the number one most important thing that puppies should learn, to inhibit the force of their bites. Um, again, I don't mean here that they, they shouldn't bite, they shouldn't mouth. Yeah, that's what puppies do, and it's why they do it. They have pointy, sharp teeth and they're little mouthing maniacs, so they do mouth a lot so that they learn that their bites hurt. And so they bite less hard until eventually they just mouth. That's why puppies play so much. You probably wondered, you know, watching puppies play. They go, they wake up, they pee, they poop, and then they jump on each other and bite till they fall asleep again. That's all they do because it's so important. Well, we've taken the puppy from his litter, so we have to teach the puppy that. As the puppy mouths us, we have to teach him first, don't bite so hard, and then we'll teach him rules about mouthing. You have to stop when I say, and don't start unless requested. A huge difference with puppy classes, um, the classes were conducted off-leash, that we trained the dogs off-leash from the outset. And this is really important because at the time we used to wait until dogs were six months to a year old, so we had to train them on-leash. You see, we didn't know what their temperaments were like, so we couldn't let them off-leash to play and to train them. So the dogs were trained on-leash, and of course very quickly the leash became a crutch. And that now, it's very easy and a very deceptive training a dog on leash. You put the dog on leash and you think, wow, he's really trained. Because the question is, what do you have if you take the leash off? And what you have is no dog. He's in the next county. And so it then made training a two-step process that first we had to teach the dog to drill nicely on leash. Then we had to teach the dog to be reliable off leash. Um, it, 
just by training the dog off-leash, it really speeded up the process because we gave the owners what they wanted right from the beginning. I mean, the, the dog is not on-leash at home. In the kitchen, the dog is off-leash, and the owner wants the dog to listen to them. So, so this was huge. We used lure-reward training techniques, which are lightning fast. They're very quick, and so you could teach the dog to come, sit, lie down, roll over in the very first session. And we used food as lures and rewards, and wow, did that cause a stir. So many people just found the use of food, I, I don't know, they, they, I think were scared by it, or, but they, they had so many criticisms, we had so many food critics. Um, and then, of course, fun and games, the puppy classes, we made a game out of everything. So I think it's really important to concentrate on, on these in a little more detail. Um, puppies, we need to train puppies. Um, the owner's going to get the puppy at eight weeks. First, they should check he's already been trained. Uh, between eight and 12 weeks, you've got a lot to do at home. I would concentrate mainly on household you know, etiquette, house training, chew toy training. Um, hopefully the breeder's already done it, but if not, you, you've just got a couple of weeks to do this, and you've got to do it very quickly. You don't want that puppy to make mistakes. And then handling, 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 socialization, socialization, socialization. Um, it is huge. That puppy needs to be socialized before he's 12 weeks old. Um, and, and you've got to do it. Well, you know, we don't want the puppy, say, going to the dog park till he's uh, at least three months. I mean, he can certainly go out to puppy class. That's a pretty safe place because all the puppies uh, are vaccinated. But we don't want him maybe going to a dog class where there's puppies, you know, that pee and poop and may have parvo and distemper and what have you. So that means you've got to socialize the puppy in the safety and security of his own home. Um, basically, you need to invite um, 100 people to your home between 8 weeks and 12 weeks of age. Uh, a lot of people say to me, wow, you know, that's an awful lot of people. I don't know 100 people. Well, you, you better get to know 100 people because your puppy's temperament really depends on it. We've got to socialize this puppy so he likes people. Now, a huge thing about um, puppy classes was temperament training, that not only would we modify the dog's behavior um, and modify its manners, teach him, you know, to sit and to lie down, but we would also modify the dog's temperament. Um, this was huge because it used to be looked on that temperament was um, caused by genes, it's instinctive, it's genetic, and it's therefore immutable. It can't be changed. But years ago when I was doing research, um, on dogs, on uh, development of social hierarchies and aggression. There was a dog called Sirius who was a really nasty, sort of belligerent beagle. And he could beat up any of the other puppies one-on-one. -on -one. But when he got to live in a large group, one day he decided to take a food bowl for his own, and life changed. It changed very, very quickly. A huge puppy called Mimi jumped on him. All the other puppies joined in. And Sirius Temperament just did an about-face. Instead of this belligerent, bellicose beagle always barking and posturing, he became very low-key. Um, and uh, when the group was there, he was very well-mannered. And as I saw this happen, I thought, you know, pet owners would like to know this, that if they get a puppy and his temperament's not quite right, that... They can change it. That's really important. Well, it looks like it's time for another break. And so it's Dr. Ian Dunbar with iWoofs. I'll be back in a couple of minutes. Looking for the world's most versatile and durable dog toy? The Kong Company established the standard for dog toy performance and durability. The legendary Red Rubber Kong toy is recommended by the world's top veterinarians and dog trainers. A treat stuff Kong toy is the training tool of choice for addressing numerous behavioral challenges, including destructive chewing, excessive barking, and separation anxiety. Kong toys are available at pet stores worldwide. Get your Kong today. Your dog will love you for it. <coughs> 
you want to keep your dog busy with good things to chew, check out the newest products in Premier's Busy Buddy line. The Bouncy Bone combines rubber, durable nylon, and replaceable rawhide rings for extended playtime pleasure. Fill Tugger Jug with treats or kibble, and your dog will be regularly rewarded while playing fetch or tug or just rolling it around on his own. Ask for Busy Buddy at your local pet store, veterinarian, or trainer. And be sure to check out all the other great Busy Buddy toys, including Waggle, Twist and Treat, Squirrel Dude, and more at Premier.com. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to iWolves with veterinarian and animal behaviorist Dr. Ian Dunbar, the pioneer of lure, reward, fun and games, dog-friendly dog training. Now back to the show. Hi, it's Dr. Ian Dunbar with iWolves. Uh, before the break, we were talking about how it was possible to change a puppy's temperament. Um, this is actually huge in puppy classes. Um, when a puppy gets to class, he's usually, you know, 8, 10, 12 weeks of age. And we have, you know, say 10 to 12 puppies there. And we let them off leash together and we see what we got. And in any group of, say, 12 puppies, there's going to be one who's the bully. And there's going to be a couple of them which are shy. And we've got to do something about this really quickly. And it is possible to modify the dog's temperament. So for shy dogs, the technique is, I tell everyone usually, right, grab all your dogs, let's, you know, let's handle them, let's look in their ears, give them kibble. So we have everyone grab their dogs apart from the shy dogs and we let them just wander around and, and they just develop confidence so quickly. We must make sure that the owner is not talking to them or touching them or else socialization will just stop. So usually we give the owner something to do. We give the owner another dog to handle. But if the dog is left on his own, he will develop confidence. Um, with bullies, we need to follow them around and check on them a little and just tell them, you know, what's not appropriate, that flattening dogs, you know, they may think it's fun, but other puppies don't. And, and we need to give them a running commentary. So if there's a, a bully dog there, I'll follow him around and I'll tell him, oh, he's a good boy, uh, gently, gently, hey, 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 and I'll take his collar. Now, just wait till he checks in on me and let him go again. It's good. Sniff. Gently, gently off. Oh, good boy, good boy, good boy. Ah, 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 ah. No, take him by the collar again. It's as quickly as that. It is nonstop feedback. I'm probably giving him a piece of information every second. That's good, that's good, that's good. Nope. When you flatten them, we're going to take hold of your collar for just three seconds. And they learn very quickly. If they don't learn by the first session, then I suggest with Shy Dog that they come a little early the next week and they come to a class that's starting. So now what we have is the Shy Dog is a big fish in a little pond and they develop confidence very quickly. Um, with the bullies, I ask them, can you stay a little later tonight? Maybe you want to stay on for the uh, the Puppy 2 class where we have six-month-old dogs. And I let this guy off leash, say so he's a bull terrier. Um, and he runs up, and he runs up to a Jack Russell Terrier bitch, saying, hey, pleased to meet you, pleased to meet you, and then up to a Malamute and what have you. And then we let the other dogs off leash, and they just take care of it. And this is one of the most important things about socialization. If you're socializing dogs, or children for that matter, in a same age group, it will generate a lot of energy. And what we must do is socialize puppies in a heterogeneous group. Um, groups uh, where we have younger dogs, older puppies, older adult dogs, and then really old dogs. For example, on the walk or in a dog park. This is how you socialize a dog. Um, puppy class won't do it. Puppy class will teach the skills and to get your dog hyper-socialized. Now your dog has to learn to maintain a low profile when in the presence of older puppies or dogs. Bite inhibitions is so important, and this is why we let the dogs play off-leash. So they mouth each other, and in a single puppy class, they're going to get more mouthing in than a whole week at home. And they're going to get appropriate feedback. They bite, 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 and they do it too hard. And one puppy goes, Meow! I'm not going to play with you. He yelps, and the play session stops. And so the puppy learns, oh, dear, you know, if you bite them too hard, the play session stops. And so they learn to bite more gently. Now, we have to do this. We have to teach the puppies this in the home because, of course, we've removed the puppy from its litter. And the litter would teach the pup bite inhibition. And it's basically four steps. Um, we must teach them that their jaws can inflict pain, and we have to teach this before they have the power to cause harm. Uh, bite inhibition does not mean stopping the puppy from biting altogether. 
It means teaching the puppy to reduce the force of his bite. Um, most dogs sometimes in their life are going to nip, you know, or snap at someone. And, and the, if they don't do any harm, the problem is so easy and safe to resolve. If, on the other hand, the bite inflicts harm, the prognosis is really bad. Um, it, it's the most important quality that a dog has. So first, we're going to teach the puppy to bite gentler. We let the puppy mouth our hands, hands only, and we say, good dog, good dog, good dog. Whenever it hurts us, we go, ow, and we have a short pause. If the puppy doesn't respect your ow, comes back and bites you right away, you just leave the room. So, of course, the puppy is in his long-term confinement area. You don't want to have to put, pick the puppy up to um, confine him. So then we're going to kind of con the dog, level two. Now the puppy is biting us a little gentler, you know, um, and there's some soft bites and then some harder bites. We're going to yelp with the harder bites, like, ow, that really hurt me. Now, it didn't really hurt, but we're going to make the puppy believe that it did. So the puppy thinks, boy, you know, these humans, they're, they're so namby-pamby. I mean, you can mouth a shih tzu harder than people, but that's what we want the puppy to learn. Boy, when I'm mouthing people, I have to be so gentle when mouthing their skin. So now we're dealing with mouthing. And now we're going to teach the rules of incidence. We're going to teach the puppy first to stop when requested. And we'll do this by first teaching a puppy off using a food treat, which we'll cover in, in future episodes. So when we say off, the puppy know that that means don't touch me anymore. Um, and then finally, we will teach the puppy you can never start mouthing even play-mouthing without a request. We cannot, for example, have an adult dog go wandering up, wandering up to a child in the park and say, hey, I want to play with you, and, and take her by the arm. I mean, everyone would just scream murder, you know, even though the, the dog is only playing. And, of course, if a dog certain breeds, if a Roddy did it or a Pit did it, they would say, that dog's being aggressive, even though the dog is being really incredibly playful and incredibly gentle. I always like, also like to play games to help teach bite inhibition. Uh, tug of war, I play a lot. So either you want to get, say, a cool kong or tennis tug, and you taught, teach the rules of tug. They are really important. You can't touch the object till I say. You must let go when I ask you to. You stop the game every 15 seconds. Um, then you can use the game as a reward. So you stop the game, off, sit. There's a good dog. Okay, take it again. Pull, 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 pull. You can get the dog then infatuated on this object, which you can use as a lure and ward to teach basic obedience. And um, for classical conditioning, uh, as a secondary reinforcer, dog-dog aggression, it has many, many uses. So tug-of-war is a brilliant game, and it is used to teach the dog rules regarding his teeth and jaws. I also like to use plush toys. Um, and you can get a good quality plush toy from um, either of our two brilliant sponsors. Um, my two favorite companies in the world are sponsoring the show, um, Premier Pet Products and the Kong Company. And they, they both have tremendous line of plush toys. Um, most people, though, don't know how to use a plush toy. A plush toy is not a chew toy. And we'll, we'll go over this when we talk more about chewing. Um, a plush toy is to teach a dog to be gentle. Um, uh, my, my dog had a squeaky hedgehog, uh, Phoenix, a Malamute. She had it for eight years. And I taught her that this squeaky hedgehog was, it's, it's a real animal. And when it squeaks, I go, oh, be careful with squeaky hedgehog. So it's a wonderful way to teach a dog to be gentle with his jaws. And you're doing it with a toy. And so this makes it much easier, say, at a later date to introduce a kitten to the home or, or even babies, that now the dog understands the concept that, oh, I have to be gentle. This is, this is squeaky hedgehog. And, and, and they can understand this concept. You do not want a dog to have a plush toy on its own and rip it apart. That is ridiculous. Uh, not only is it a waste of money, you'll now be buying another plush toy, but you're training the dog to be absolutely destructive. No, for chewing, they need chew toys. For bite inhibition training, they need plush toys. Bite inhibition is so important. I'm going to give you a human analogy. Most humans have arguments but very, very few people cause physical harm when they argue. Um, so it is with trained dogs that most will get frightened, scared, or upset with people at some time in their lives. Um, 
and some will growl, some will snap, but very, very few will actually cause serious harm because they've developed bite inhibition. I'll give you a few examples. Um, this is a large working breed, bit of child in the face, no damage, no marks at all. I mean, this is a 110-pound dog. That dog is obviously upset, pushed to the limit by the child, you know, in his face, pulling his whiskers, and he bites her, and that's wrong, but no damage is done. All we need to do is to teach the dog to love children and be more tolerant than the dog won't want to snap in the future. But we have the luxury of knowing that the dog doesn't cause damage when he's pushed to the limit. A guest trips uh, in a cocktail party, comes in the front door, falls on a dog chewing a bone, bitten in the face, no damage. Again, brilliant bite inhibition. Easily prob- easy problem to resolve. Uh, my dog Claude, we just adopted a Claude uh, from the SPCA. He'd bitten an SPCA worker on the arm. I asked to see her arm, no damage. I pushed Claude to the limit in his temperament test. Um, he bit me four times. He was a scared dog. You took him by the collar, he bit you. You touched his butt, he bit you. No damage at all. So he's just scared. That's all. He's not a dangerous dog. Little bit of training, ba bum ba bum build up his confidence. We hand-fed him. He doesn't want to bite us now. He loves guests when they come to the house. But what we know is if he did bite, he wouldn't cause any harm. Fourth case, this was a good retriever. Uh, The handler, not the owner, shut the dog's tail in the car door. The dog mutilated the person trying to open the door. Very friendly dog. This was actually a dog taken to hospitals to visit people in hospital. Highly socialized, very friendly dog, but it didn't have bite inhibition. They didn't teach it bite inhibition as a puppy. Instead, what they did was they stopped it mouthing at all as a puppy, so it never learned. And one of the big dangers here of a highly socialized dog with no bite inhibition is the dog is highly socialized, and so the dog is very close to people. So it's important to realize that socialization to people is very different from teaching bite inhibition. We have to do both. We have to socialize dogs to people so that dogs like people, especially strangers, especially men, especially children, and dogs don't even want to bite people. But if they do, they don't cause any damage because they have bite inhibition. Because we allowed them to go to puppy class and to play as puppies, and we let them mouth our hands and gave them the appropriate feedback, teaching them that their teeth hurt and that they have to be really gentle. And so... It's the number one reason to go to puppy class, so your puppy can learn bite inhibition. It's time for a break again, so Dr. Ian Dunbar, I'll be back in a couple of minutes. Want to keep your dog busy with good things to chew? Premier's Busy Buddy treat-holding toys are the answer. Each one is designed to hold a different type of treat, providing hours of entertainment. Squirrel Dude features the patented treat meter, randomly dispensing kibble as your dog plays. The Big Kahuna Football includes the patented treat trapper, ideal for hard biscuits and intense chewing pleasure. Ask for Busy Buddy at your local pet store, veterinarian, or trainer, and be sure to check out all the other great Busy Buddy toys, including Waggle, Bouncy Bone, Tug-A-Jug, and more at Premier.com. Hello, this is Dr. Ian Dunbar. As a veterinarian and animal behaviorist, people often ask me which toy is best suited for their canine companion. Without hesitation, I have recommended the durable and versatile Classic Kong Toy. The Kong Toy is known as the original canine treat and food dispenser. Simply stuff a Kong Toy with any healthy dog food or treat, and you have the perfect training tool. A foodstuff Kong Toy will stimulate your dog mentally, reduce frustration and anxiety, and ensure your dog is chewing on something other than your sofa. Fine quality Kong products pet stores everywhere. Your dog will love you for it. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to iWolfs with veterinarian and animal behaviorist Dr. Ian Dunbar, the pioneer of lure, reward, fun and games, dog-friendly dog training. Now back to the show. Okay, before the break, we were talking about some of the major differences between puppy classes and going to the old style on-leash um, adult classes. Um, the biggest, of course, was we're training puppies. <laughs> Obviously, it goes without saying. Duh, where have you been, Ian? Um, the syllabus is huge. Uh, focuses on socialization, temperament modification, and especially focuses on teaching bite inhibition. 
Another big difference was um, the class is taught off-leash. This is so important. This really reduces training time for the owner. That's what they want to learn. They want to learn how to control the dog when he's off-leash. That's how he is in the kitchen, in the living room, in the garden, in the dog work. Um, and so we want to give them that straight away. That basically, they face their biggest nightmare, week one in puppy class. Let them off-leash? Okay. Now grab your dog and give them a treat. Now call your puppy from the play session. Um, it, it's never going to be as bad as this first week because they're going to master it. We tell people, never touch the dog before you get him to respond. This is so important. You mustn't touch the dog before he responds, and you certainly shouldn't touch the dog to get him to respond. And for two reasons. One, if you do, if you're pulling on a dog's leash, say, or if you're grabbing his collar and pushing on his butt, then it's going to become a crutch. And what will happen is, yeah, you can control the dog if he's within arm's reach, but if he's just six feet away, it's sayonara. The dog just says bye-bye. And unless you've got an arm like, say, Inspector Gadget, and you can reach out ten feet and grab him, you can't control the dog. The other reason is touching the dog to get him to respond really delays the training process. Um, selective attention, the dog can only respond to one cue at a time and we're trying to teach him the meaning of words, um, commands and hand signals if we touch him, the dog will respond to the touch because it's so much important to him if the dog responds to the touch it will mask or, or disguise if you like, the verbal command, so keep your hands off the dog get him to sit when he sits, then take him by the collar, give him a kiss on the nose, pet him, praise him, give him three food treats, and tell him, go play. So our hands are used as a reward. To touch the dog afterwards and pet him, our hands are used as a safety measure, to check we could grab the dog by the collar after we've touched him. Lure reward training makes this all go so all quickly. Basically, request, response, reward. Or we put in the lure, so it's one, two, three, four. One, we request the dog, say sit. Two, we lure the dog, we move the food lure upwards. Three, as the dog looks upwards, his butt hits the ground, the response. And four, we reward the dog. There's a good boy. We give him a treat. We phase out the lure within six to ten reps. And now we just use a hand, a hand lure or a hand signal. The dog has learned a hand signal in just six repetitions. This is where lure reward training is amazing. Then we're going to phase out the food rewards that we use as a training reward and replace it with meaningful rewards, life rewards, like go fetch, uh, tug of war, get a tummy rub, or come up on the couch. Um, we're going to ask the dog to sit for everything. So that's the process of lure reward training. We start using food um, as both lures and rewards. And we do this largely because it makes it so much easier for the owner. Um, as, as dog trainers, we don't need to. We could use our hands as a reward and just get the dog to do it straight off. But owners don't have these skills yet. And again, it's another example that the way we teach owners to train their puppies is very different from, say, the way that we, as a pet dog trainer, may work with our own dog. Um, and the point is that the dogs are novice and often the owners are novice. They've yet to acquire the dog training skills. So we use a lot of food. You put food in your hand, the dog is going to watch your food. Now, food as a lure and reward, absolutely essential for behavior modification, best reward in house training, best lure for teach a dog to chew chew toys, you know, your stuff, your, your big kahuna, your squirrel dude, or your kong, or your biscuit ball, you stuff them with kibble, um, and now the dog's going to chew it and get rewarded for chewing it. And it's the best lure to get a dog to teach shush. But lures and rewards as food, absolutely mandatory um, to use food um, in uh, temperament training, uh, socialization with aggressive dogs. Uh, I mean, this is how you're going to get the dogs to like people, that the people give out lots of food. Um, it, it should be mandatory. 
uh, in socialization, for classical conditioning, for progressive desensitization. Yet so many people just, they get their knickers in a twist when you talk about using food in training. And 25 years ago, you can imagine, I I was nearly like stoned when I'd mentioned this. I mean, you know, people nearly threw stones at me, I mean. Um, there, There were so many food critics. And... Whereas using any tool in training, you certainly have pros and cons, you know, and their their drawbacks or reservations. Um, it, it's totally unfair to like single out food to take all this criticism. The criticism applies to using praise as a tool in training, or say leash corrections as a tool in training. So let's go through some of you know the, the, the excuses that people say. And they say, "Oh, I don't want to use food. I don't want my dog to get fat." Um, well, you know, your dog may get spoiled if you use them too much praise. Um, doesn't stop you using praise, though, as long as you make the praise contingent on the good behavior. Then your dog won't get spoiled. Or maybe your dog will get hurt with too many leash corrections. Um, not if you use them properly. Not if you use them gently. So, you know, these may be criticisms, um, but it's not a reason to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Um, for the food, I would say don't use extra food. You know, the problem here is using treats, and most treats are junk food. Instead, I would weigh the dog's uh, daily allotment of kibble. I would weigh that out in the morning, put it in a container, and each piece of kibble can be used as a lure or reward in training throughout the day. I would only use treats for special circumstances, say to give to children to train the dog, uh, for house training, uh, to teach the dog shush, uh, for strangers to give the dog, um, and to teach, say, any, any new exercise. Otherwise, I would be using kibble. It's not extra. It's part of the dog's daily ration. My dog doesn't listen if I don't have food. Well, the same could be said of praise. What if you don't have a pleasant tone and say, come over here, come over here, you bad dog. I don't think your dog's going to respond if you don't have a pleasant disposition. Um, what if you don't have a leash? <laughs> We've went through that before. If you don't have a leash, often you don't have a dog. He's taken off. Um, and, and this is a huge problem with leash training, getting off-leash reliability, because we trained the dog on leash, the leash became a crutch. With any tool, including food, use it, use it properly, and then phase it out. So in using a food lure, I've already told you, you only use it for like six repetitions, and then you just put it in your pocket. And with an empty hand, you signal the dog to sit after six to ten repetitions. Then you phase it out as a reward and replace it with something more meaningful. Food makes my dog more excited. So does praise. Who's a good dog, Jin, 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 Jin? I mean, a lot of people, they praise their dog, and he's all wiggles, and he's even peeing all over their leg. Uh, Leash corrections can make a dog more excited, sometimes more irritated. Um, uh, With food, I would use food to teach the dog to be calm. I would pull out a bit of food, say, do you want a cookie? Do you want a cookie? Waggle it in front of the dog's face. Let the dog go ballistic. I don't care. Then I'm going to wait until the dog sits, Then I'm going to give the food. Uh, That's all I'm going to do. I'm going to hold food, waggle it. The dog can go crazy. He can do everything. He can circle me. He can bark. The only way he's going to get this food when he sits. Then I give him the food as a reward. You try it. That's such a dynamite training technique. And, of course, the classic, my dog doesn't like food. Now, you know, some dogs don't care about um, praise until we teach them. I had to do this with Omaha. Um, Praise, after all, is a secondary reinforcement, and he just really wasn't turned on to people and not turned on to me. And I had to teach him that that praise was enjoyable. I would say, there's a good boy, and give him food. There's a good boy, and I would let him pull on leash. And there's a good boy, go play. And after a while, there's a good boy. He, He liked me saying the words. They actually then had some primary reinforcing value. Um, And as for a leash, (laughs) my dog doesn't like leash corrections. Well, a lot of dogs don't like leash corrections, but it doesn't stop people using them. And so why would saying my dog doesn't like food stop us using food? Now, instead, I would teach the dog to like food. Um, I would give the dog a bit of kibble and then praise the dog. Um, For some dogs, like retrievers, food is everything. And for other dogs, no, it's not that exciting. We've got to make it exciting. It's a very low-grade primary reinforcer. We've got to turn it into a high-grade secondary reinforcer. So take a bit of kibble, I pet you. Sit and take a bit of kibble, I'm going to play tug-of-war. 
Sit and take a bit of kibble, I'm going to throw the tennis ball. Sit, take a bit of kibble, I'm going to sit up on the couch, give you a tummy rub. Soon, sitting and taking kibble is enjoyable. And in fact, both have become secondary reinforcers. The dog really enjoys doing both. Um, this is, it's, it's really important you know, for, to understand this, that don't just give up just because, oh, my dog doesn't like food. Teach him to like food. If you just stop feeding a dog in a food bowl and hand-fed him, he's going to like food within one week because now you're treating it as if it's a treat. Another classic, of course, is I don't want to bribe my dog. Well, you know, neither do I. I mean, <laughs> parents and politicians eventually learn bribing doesn't work. However, luring does. So does rewarding. And so does using food as a lure and using food as a reward. There's a big difference here. When we bribe, the bribe is promised beforehand generally to coerce an animal to act against its will. Um, with a lure, it's presented beforehand and um, to, to teach the dog what we want him to do. So the lure is there to illustrate the instruction, if you like. And we're only going to use it for six trials anyway before we phase it out. A reward, though, comes afterwards as a surprise. Um, completely out of the view, out of, out of the blue, we bring out a reward. Wow, there's a good boy to reward the dog for doing something good. Now, there is some danger if we use the same thing, like food, as a lure and a reward. That does then approximate bribing. So I would say make sure if you use food as a reward, you phase it out within six trials. Alternatively, Use a different thing as a lure and as a reward. So say you could lure the dog with food, but he doesn't get it. You throw the tennis ball instead. Or you lure the dog with a tennis ball and invite him on the couch as a reward. And then you won't get into the problems of bribing. So it's very, very different from bribing. Bribing doesn't work. We don't want to do that. But luring is so useful because it teaches dogs so quickly. And rewards, uh, come on. I mean, it's like you all have jobs out there, what you work without a reward, you work without a paycheck. I, I don't think so. A dog needs a reward too. And we also use the food as a general motivator to put motivation on cue and as a distraction to train the dog, yeah, that little girl's got a hot dog, but you've got to come over here. So food has very a lot of really important roles in training. Well, it's, uh, I think I'm overdue for another break, so I'll be back in a couple of minutes. Dr. Ian Dunbar with iWorps. Kong Dog Toys are praised by owners and trainers alike for quality, versatility, and durability. The world's top veterinarians have recommended the original Kong toy for over 30 years. Kong has become the training tool of choice for addressing numerous behavioral challenges, including destructive chewing, excessive barking, and separation anxiety. The key to successful Kong training is to insert healthy dog food or treats into the Kong toy to entice your dog. Look no further than Kong's Stuff and Brand Dog Treats, perfectly designed to fit Kong toys. Available wherever pet supplies are sold. Your dog will love you for it. Walk with me and put an end to frustrating leash pulling, lunging, and jumping forever. Premier's gentle leader head collar has been delivering immediate gentle control for years and has long been the number one recommended head collar endorsed by vets and trainers. Dogs love it because the unique design doesn't choke and eliminates any pressure on their throat. Pet owners love the gentle leader because it allows them to enjoy comfortable walks and a more satisfying relationship with their pet. Want to join the millions of dog owners that have found the secret to stress-free walks? Ask about Gentle Leader at your vet, trainer, or pet retailer. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to iWolfs with veterinarian and animal behaviorist Dr. Ian Dunbar, the pioneer of lure, reward, fun and games, dog-friendly dog training. Now back to the show. Hi there, it's Dr. Ian Dunbar with iWolfs. Um, just before the break, we were talking about all the reasons that people use for not wanting to use food in training. Um, ranging from, you know, my dog's going to get fat, my dog won't listen if I don't have the food, makes my dog too excited, da 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 um, th- These are all legitimate um, you know, questions to ask, but uh, we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Using food makes training so easy, so easy. I mean, you, you look at the people that, that, that are training really good animals. You know, have you ever been to SeaWorld? Have you seen grizzly bears on TV? I mean, how else are you going to train a grizzly bear? Huh? <laughs> no. What we use is marshmallows and uh, cans of soda. 
sugar, basically. And you go straight to that bear's heart, and he's happily going to do what you want, and he's going to be happy doing it. Um, same with dogs. When we use food in training, it just turns training into an e easy process, um, and, and one that's a, a lot of fun. Now, because another objection to using food is, I want my dog to do it to please me. Um, this is, it's, it's a huge one. And I always ask the question, why? I mean, why would you want the dog to please you? And, and, and why would you even think the dog would be remotely interested in pleasing you? Um, you know, it's kind of like if a friend of yours said, um, oh, we're going to go out this evening and I want everything done my way. We're going to go where I want to go. We're going to drive in my car. We're going to take this route. We're going to go to this club and so on and so on and so on. Um, and I'm sure actually you know a lot of people who are like that. Um, maybe it's a child, maybe a parent, maybe a spouse, maybe your boss, who is just um, so rigid and so dogmatic. They want everything done their way and everything done for them. Well, you know, I've got news for you. <laughs> Dog's an individual. And, um, yeah, I mean, I know we've had Lassie on TV and Lassie did everything. I mean, Lassie would run from, run for help and Lassie would get a wrench to fix the car for little Timmy and all that. But, you know, you've got to remember a number of things about Lassie. Lassie was an actor. Um, well, also, actually, Lassie was an actress. Um, actually, during his, her, <laughs> sounds strange, screen career, Lassie was eight different doggy actors and actresses. And also, Lassie was extremely well paid. And um, she, of course, was paid with rewards, um, including food rewards. And, and so why should we exclude our dog from um, being paid for the good job it does? It does a good job of putting up with us. Um, why not? I mean, I think let's get real here. Behavior is consequence-driven. And, and what I mean by that is the frequency of any behavior depends on its immediate outcome. If the outcome is pleasant, then the behavior is going to increase in frequency um, until eventually the behavior becomes self-reinforcing and the dog is internally motivated. So that's the training process. I mean, th there's nothing here that says we are training the dog to do things to please us. No, what we're actually doing, the holy grail of dog training, is we are training the dog to do things to please herself or to please himself. That the first step in training is we use lures to teach the dog what we want her to do. You know, that by moving the food, the dog learns, oh, sit means put my butt on the ground. And when they say down, they want me to lie down. And come, mean, that means approach them. Oh, wow, this is fantastic. I'm, I'm learning to understand English. Now, of course, just because the dog now understands our instructions doesn't mean to say it's going to do it. Um, on the contrary, I can think of a load of reasons um, why not, uh, like distractions, uh, the rest of the environment out there, a squirrel, uh, another dog. There are loads of reasons why when you say come here, the dog should say, well, um, I don't think so. So the big part of training then is to teach the dog to want to do what we want them to do. And, and here I think it is, I actually hate, you know, um, plugging things, but you really want to read a, a good dog training book here. Um, and, and I would, I would, I would give How to Teach a New Dog Old Tricks a Whirl. Um, this is a book that um, I wrote actually years ago, started in the 80s, and it's been through many formats. And it, it really points out that, that training is not just about teaching the dog that sit means sit, down means down. It's trying to imbue in the dog a sense that I want to do this. When the owner says sit, the dog says, yeah, coach, good call, sit. That's absolutely fantastic. That's just what I want to do. So the dog wants to do it. And that rewards are no longer necessary. You don't have to say sit, oh, there's a good dog, one piece of kibble, two pieces of kibble, three pieces of kibble. There's no payoff anymore. When you say sit, the dog says, yeah, absolutely. It's no different from, say, if you're teaching your son to ski. If you do it right... Then afterwards you say, hey, do you want to go skiing, Jamie? He says, oh, yeah, of course, Dad. Why? Because now skiing is its own reward.
And when you teach anything properly, whether it's teaching your child to read or mathematics or baseball or football or, or, or golf or dancing, rewards are no longer necessary. Doing it is sufficient fun. So this is what the training is all about. And, and a big aspect of this, of course, is, is fun and games. Um, another major difference between the whole puppy class format and, and, and the old on leash way. That we're going to make a game out of everything. Um, my, my favorites are biscuit balance. You tell the owner, right, next week, anyone who can do this, and you show them, you balance a biscuit on the dog's nose, they get a reward. They come back, they've practiced, they've stayed up at night practicing with these dogs, and then you time them, and a little boy wins it, 2 minute 24 seconds, and you give him the award, and it says, longest sit-stay. You see, we didn't even mention sit. We didn't mention stay. We didn't mention homework. But off he went and did it because the only way you can balance a biscuit is a sit-stay. Or we teach bang. I love it. And most children can teach a dog bang to be dead before their father can get the dog down. Because, of course, the child is doing it with lots of fun. It's a trick. And they giggle afterwards. Now, once I can get Dad to go down, <laughs> that's a good downstay. Then we get the same type of improvement there at all as well. Well, now it's time again for the dog's point of view. And uh, these are our two dogs. And little Theo is learning about puppies, puppy life. So he says, Theo, oh, wise Akita, I'm so excited. I've just been to puppy class. What well on, Grasshopper. Congratulations. You are a good pupil. And what did you learn in class? Well, I learned to play and get along with other puppies, and I met lots of people I didn't know, some children, some men, nice men. They gave me treats, and they taught me things. What sort of things, Grasshopper? Well, I learned to come, sit, um, lie down, stand, stay, roll over, bang, biscuit balance, follow my owner, to sit in the middle of the play session, and um, to heal and sit. Wow, Grasshopper, that's an awful lot. How impressive. How long did the course last? Oh, that was just the first week, Sensei. Well, I must say, Grasshopper, it sounds like you found a very good puppy school. Yes, Sensei, my owner checked it out at apdt.com. So, if you're looking for a good puppy class, you want to log on to apdt.com. The Association of Pet Dog Trainers and find a trainer who is a CPDT, a Certified Pet Dog Trainer and teaching puppy classes. Then go and have a look. Now, before you enroll in puppy class, check it out first. Remember, this is your puppy and your puppy's education, so check out the classes. What can we learn from all this? I think puppy classes are just too important and time-sensitive to miss. Um, you, you, you have to go. You have to enroll. Uh, your puppy has to learn bite inhibition, and he has to socialize with people. These are the number one and number two items on the educational agenda in puppy class. The opportunity to shape a young brain is just that. It's an opportunity. Um, it's a gift, so let's not waste it. And I think, remember, good habits are just as hard to break as bad habits. So let's teach them from the outset. So if you're looking for puppy training classes in the San Francisco Bay Area, check out www.siriuspup.com. That's S-I-R-I-U-S-P-U-P.com. And for information about puppy training classes nationwide, check out apdt.com. You have been listening to Dr. Dunbar's iWoofs, the owner-friendly and dog-friendly dog training show to help you understand dog training from the dog's point of view and to learn what you can learn from your dog. iWoofs is sponsored by Premier Pet Products and by The Com Company. So it's goodbye from me, Dr. Ian Dunbar. Goodbye from Dune. Goodbye from Claude. And goodbye from Ollie.